and trust you have enjoyed your morning so far. Looking forward to time together worshiping and serving the Lord today. We're going to be in the book of Galatians and back to the fifth chapter again. Uh, we're going to actually use a little bit of computer this morning. I don't do a lot of that intentionally. Uh, too often when I try to do it, it fails and uh, I don't like that. So uh, I'm not sure if you project that, Brother Randy, is it full screen or do I need to change the dynamic here? Uh, I can change it here. That's showing what, okay. So I'm going to show you a few things here today from uh, one of my Bible programs. Again, we've been looking at Bible study methods. And the ultimate goal in the beginning of this study has been, I want to study the Bible to know God better. I don't want to just know his word better. That's, that's good. That's beneficial. But if we know his word and don't know him, uh, we, we've missed the mark. And so a number of things that I taught, especially toward the beginning of this series of Sunday School Lessons, which is carried on throughout the year. I knew it was going to be that way. There's just so many different ways we can look at it and so many examples. Uh, so often when we talk to people, so I, I don't understand how to study the Bible. And so we're trying to give several different ways. We've had several different men get up and give how they study the Bible so you can get ideas from them. And so uh, we've kind of drifted a little bit in this, and we're not focusing in much, as much on getting to know God in this part of the Bible study, uh, but we are looking at a word study uh, here in Galatians chapter 5, which I think is one of the most helpful passages for us as Christians about how to live the victorious Christian life and how that comes by walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, being filled by the Spirit. It's in the book of Ephesians, listening to the Spirit in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Another word for walking in the Spirit, as Anthony pointed out last week, both of them found in Galatians 5. So the whole dynamic of Galatians 5 is so that if you have this right relationship with the Spirit, then you won't uh, struggle with producing works in the flesh. So I said one thing I thought would be really good for us to do, something that I did several years ago. I took a long period of time to do it, but I went through every work of the flesh to try to understand it better, uh, and then every fruit of the Spirit and to understand each part, each part of the fruit of the Spirit so I could understand it better. And so I want us to do a little bit of that this morning, uh, some of you may have already done some of that. You may have a study sheet that is filled out because you've worked on some of those definitions. Uh, some of you may not have, and uh, that is totally fine. But we want to look at today uh, some of these works of the flesh. And I want to use a Bible program to show you. You don't have to do it through a Bible program, but I can actually visually show you how to do it by using a Bible program to help you to understand it better. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to do a word study regarding the works of the flesh. Dear Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, one of the things that we battle is what the flesh produces, and it produces some things in our lives uh, that uh, characteristically, someone living that way would not even enter into the kingdom of God. 
We know because of your grace and mercy we will enter in. But just like I discussed in the first hour, sometimes as Christians we live carnally, we live like we're not even saved. And so it could be some of these uh, works maybe in our lives. And so I just pray that you'd help us to identify what these things are that you don't want to see in our lives so that we know what to put off and then see what ought to be in our lives by having that right relationship with the Spirit. Guide us in our time of the study here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would look with me here in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, now the works of the flesh. I'm going to read it. Yes, Brother Andy. I am. Uh, in verses 19 through 21, it's going to talk about the works of flesh. I want to read it, and then I'm going to ask you, is there any of those words in there? You're honestly not sure what that word means. Uh, and I'm going to ask some of you, just raise your hand and say, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, let's begin. Verse number 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are things that are characteristically found in unsaved people's lives. Now, who maybe before you did the word study or even now says, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what this word means. Somebody willing to just say, I kind of plead ignorance. I, I'm not sure what this word means. Somebody raise your hand. Uh, yes, Angelique. Okay. Uh, she's. I'm not sure what emulations is. Somebody else. A word. Yes, Justin. Very good. Lasciviousness. It's it's a hard one to even say. Lasciviousness. Uh, what's another one? Uh, yes, Brother Bennett. Variance. Somebody else. Same. Same. So there are a number of words in here. As you read through, you might say, "I'm not exactly sure what that word is," and uh, so. I thought what would be helpful for us is maybe to take a little bit of time and use a Bible program. Now, how many of you know what a Strong's Concordance is? Raise your hand. Strong's Concordance is a big book, generally, especially the unabridged. And it's going to have all the words, all the major words that are in the Bible. And I even have an unabridged edition or have one. I don't think I do anymore that even had all the ands and the does in there. I didn't even know they produced one of them. Uh, but they have all the major words of the Bible, and if you want to know what the definition is, you look up that word, you find where it is. They'll have every verse that has that word in it. You find it gives you a number, and then you go to the back of the book, and you uh, find out what the definition for that Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek word is. So a number of you may have used that throughout your life. Again, it's a very helpful tool. You can get it electronically. 
to go on any of your devices or you can get it in a book format, a bound book format. So when I use a program called Online Bible, which is free, I have it on my phone. Uh, I was able to download it on my phone. I've had it on there for a long period of time. Uh, I, I use it, though, primarily on my computer. But I was away yesterday. I was actually hunting, and here I am in the tree stand, and I, I'm looking up some words and, and doing a word search sitting in the tree stand. Uh, I don't know what went by while I was doing that uh, anyway, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, so um, so when, I, when I go through this, I'm going to get us over to the book of Galatians. I'm going to get us chapter 5, and I'm going to get us to verse number 19 here, and it will center it up in the front here. Now, I have it set up. Now, you can add this and take it away. I have it set up that it will have uh, the English words, and right after that, and I think you're follow, able to follow that little hand cursor, right after that, it's going to have a number and I'm going to focus on here the works. And I'm going to double-click on it, so it's going to bring up the word works over here. Because I want to understand what, is, what does the word works mean. And I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. Uh, but you might notice there the word ergon up at the top there. 2041 is the Greek number for that, the word ergon. Uh, maybe you've heard of ergonomics. Uh, ergonomics is a study of doing things in a workplace to make it more productive or more effective, easier to get more things done. Now that may be by a machine, a certain machine is added to a workplace uh, because you can now do it more quickly with that machine or that hand tool, uh, you use that hand tool. Uh, think about Bible assembly. A number of years ago, uh, they taught us just to take a little piece of PVC and cut it off so that those that are kind of wiping down and trying to make straight the back binding of a John and Romans can use that and it doesn't wear your finger out after time. It made people more productive even in doing our, our John and Romans. Of course, staplers like we have makes it more productive, but you go out to bearing precious seed, and I mean they're putting hundreds through it in just a few minutes because they're both being stapled at one time, and there's many being stapled and, and, and because of ergonomics. So this has the idea of something that's being produced. So if we think of it that way, so ergonomics uh, is the idea here. The Latin it comes from, it's a consequence or it's a product of. So think about this. That this word has this idea, my flesh is going to produce some things. That's kind of interesting. Because it's contrasted or compared to our, the spirit, which also produces fruit. So my flesh will produce works. The Holy Spirit will produce fruit in my life. Well, there's quite a list there of, of works that can be produced through my flesh. And, and so uh, when I began to do this word study then, I took this word works, and I thought, I, I want to understand it better. Now, you're going to notice something on here, and I think I can highlight it. Hopefully they can see this online. Uh, in the uh, authorized version, this word is used 176 times overall. 152 times it was translated into the word work. Uh, 22 times it was translated deed. Uh, another one time doing and another one time labor. So 176 times it's used in the New Testament. And 152 of those times it is translated into the word work. Now you're going to see below that is a number of ways this can be understood or defined. 
Uh, you can find business, employment, uh, that which one is occupied with, the idea there, that which is uh, one undertakes to do, an enterprise, an undertaking. So it's really uh, some type of almost like a production line. So our flesh can produce a number of different works or a number of different sins that can be produced in our lives. Now, did you notice here, 176 of them, 152 are works. So if you just looked up the word works, there's a couple things that could happen. If you just looked up every time the Bible uses the word work or works, well, you can, number one, come up with several different Greek words. Number two, you're going to miss some of the words because 22 times it's translated deed, another time it's translated doing, another time labor. So we miss at least 24 times that the word is used. So what I can do in this program and what you can actually do in some books is this. I can actually highlight that 2041 and hit the search button. And I am going to now search the entire Bible for that word. And uh, all of a sudden, here it comes. Now, here is every time that word work, 176 verses are given here. I can scroll down through here. It's going to be in green. You're going to notice they make it a slightly different color, so it stands out a little bit more quickly. And uh, you can see it a little bit more easily. I'm just going down through some of them, which my eye is catching. Almost every one of them is the word work. Now, I want you to notice here in, in the first verse mentioned here, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? So the word works isn't negative or positive, is it? it? Or it can be either, I should say. So there are positive works and there are negative works. Do we get that? So every time you see the word work, it's not negative. You think work is negative, but it's not. Uh, work is, can be positive as well. So... Uh, according to the scriptures here, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, resulting in God being glorified. So as a Christian, I can productively be trying to aim at doing things that will glorify God or things that will please my flesh. If you go to the verse right below it, it says, now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, same word. So even Christ was producing things in his life. So just because it's a word work, it doesn't mean it's a negative thing. And I began to study that out so that I could understand what my flesh is doing and what it's doing. It's producing things. Now, some of the things that my flesh is producing, according to these verses, I'm just going to look at it on a sheet here, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. So, dear friend, it, it, it's wrong, it's sin to have these, but it, it's not unusual. There is no temptation taken you, but such is as common demand. Now, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? God forbid. So if you have any of these sins in your life, it's not like, oh, you're going to go to hell. No, it's common to man to have these sins in our lives, but a believer will get convicted and strive to put it off. Now, guess what? Sometimes it comes back in. And sometimes we've got to put it off again, and sometimes it comes back into our life, and we have to put it off again. 
the repeatedly putting something off is not an evidence that you're not saved. It's an evidence that you are. Because if you weren't saved, you wouldn't try to keep putting it off. You just say, ah, forget it. I'm just going to do it. But an evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life and you are getting convicted over that sin is that you keep putting it off. And God keeps helping you and he'll help you to put it off. A just man uh, falls and rises up again. And sometimes we do that. So as I began to see this, so I, under, I began to understand, okay, my flesh left to itself can produce all of these and such like in part way into verse 21. So there's other things. So my flesh and yours, even as Christians, because he's writing to Christians, can produce these works. Now, one of the ones mentioned here was lasciviousness. Let's, let's look at that. I can, I can actually just close this out now. I'm just going to X out that screen. I can minimize it and go back to it later. I'm just going to close it out for the sake of time. Here's this big word. By the way, one of the things that you can see you can do is just hover over that number and it will give you a drop-down screen. I don't often do that, but I will do it sometimes. Uh, I will cl usually click on it, double-click on it, and bring it up then on the other side of the screen. I set it up this way. You can tile it many different ways. I set it up the way I would like to have it on my computer. Uh, you can have it going horizontally. Uh, you can have four to six, eight boxes up at a time and make them smaller. Uh, I use it in a certain way that works for the way I like to use the program, so I did it this way. Uh, I want you to also notice something else. If you want to go further, boy, I still don't quite understand this. Here, the, a synonym, you can see another word, and that will actually, I think, drop down, and you can see a synonym, so another word that's similar to this. Uh, if you want to study it further. So, so here is the Greek word. Uh, again, not anything that I necessarily think of an English word uh, that comes from it, though I'm sure something does. I just didn't spend a lot of time focusing on this. The word lasciviousness here then has been used, uh, this Greek word has been used nine times. Uh, six times it is uh, the word lasciviousness, one, or two times wantonness, one time filthy. Again, so that helps me to be able to go. I can at least go to nine other verses to better understand this one word. It has the idea of unbridled lust. There's really only one primary definition here that we're working from. It uh, has the idea of excess, you wanting something excessively. You know, sometimes something isn't wrong, but to want it excessively is. Can you give an example of that? What is something that isn't necessarily wrong, but to one an excessive amount is? <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. He said food. <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't food uh, one of those categories? So isn't wrong. In fact, in fact, talks about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. The Bible wants us, the Lord wants us to enjoy food but he doesn't want it to become our ultimate satisfaction. And if we make it that, we, we eat, it, eat it more and more and more. You know how little my mom is? I'm just going to tell my mom a little bit. Uh, she's little, and she can handle it, though, and she can handle me. Uh, but mom once in a while finds something she really likes. I'm not talking about the other week now, mom. Uh, she came over and told me about her sin. That, no, I'm not talking about that, mom. 
But once in a while, she, she'll find like a coconut uh, popsicle that she really likes. She could have that. This was a number of years ago. Well, she, she bought the freezer be full of them. Uh, you know, and she said, I got to quit buying these things, you know. Now, I like it when she fills it with ice cream. I'm okay with that. That's no sin because I can come over there and borrow it then. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, sometimes we, you start eating something you really like and you buy more and more and more and you have trouble stopping. What's another example of this? Something, yes, Rita. Okay, money. The love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible talks about having money is not sin. Uh, working, and the Bible talks about in First Timothy chapter 6, those that are really just striving to have more and more and more, he says you're going to fall into many hurtful and deceitful lust. I believe is a phrase there. Somebody else. What's something else? Becky. Entertainment. Nothing wrong with entertainment, depending on what it is, of course. Uh, nothing wrong with entertainment. May, uh, enjoying Some of you enjoying the Phillies. I actually tuned into Phillies a little bit last night. I was working at my desk and saw them win the end of that game. I enjoyed watching that just at the end there. Uh, we enjoy some entertainment, but if you're going to sit there day after day after day and strive to be entertained, computer games or whatever, that's now becoming excessive. So you see how understanding this word lasciviousness you may say, well, I actually have some of that. I didn't even know what it meant before, but now I'm, I, I have some of that in my life. Because I have some things that I want excessively. Uh, licentiousness is there. Uh, wantonness, outrageousness, uh, shamelessness, the idea of doing something and not even ashamed. They should have been ashamed. The Bible talks about and there was no shame. Uh, so insolence. So I can now understand this word. And again, what I can do if I want on the, the program, again, this is a free program. It can be downloaded on your phone. It can be downloaded on your computer and so forth. I can go there, just highlight it, automatically puts the number up in that search text. It always brings in mind. It always brings it up small and I have to enlarge it. And here are the nine verses. So I can go through and study these. There are two that impacted me, and I'll share them with you. Uh, one is found in Ephesians 4. You can see it on there. You don't need to turn. Who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So when I have lasciviousness, there's probably other sins going on in my life as well. That was interesting. And again, I'm doing this as a personal study. It's just the Lord and myself sitting at my desk in the mornings. And at times I'm just being honest with the Lord and trying to evaluate, Lord, what, am I, what do I want excessively? It's not that that thing is sin, but I want it excessively. Uh, and I began to evaluate this and, and began to see that other sins may come into my life just because I'm doing something excessively. Another one was found in 2 Peter 2. Again, it's there but I'm going to read it from my Bible. For when they spake great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean. So they allured some people also into this sin. Some people that were clean before, now they're alluring them in. So this sin can cause me to try to bring other people into sin. So again, I began to talk to the Lord. Lord, is there anything in my life that I'm actually now, because it's in my life, I'm becoming a hindrance to someone else in their Christian life? 
maybe not the same way as Peter's talking about it, but maybe in a more subtle and quiet way in my own life. Now, also studying this, I found it's the opposite of temperance, which is one, ironically, or whatever, it's one part of the fruit of the Spirit. So, I've got to put off, I've got to put off lasciviousness if I want to have the fruit of the Spirit. Because they're opposites. Anyone else see anything from that word lasciviousness? Maybe you did a word study on it, or maybe you have a question about it, or maybe you have an application. Anyone else, anything from this word? Yes, Angelique. That, that's correct. Uh, good, good point. Sometimes we get caught up with the fashion and then sometimes we'll neglect our own family because we get caught up with the fashion and things about it uh, would be a good point. One of the things would draw in here, and I told Pastor Seth yesterday, I was talking to him. I said, the Lord's really working on my heart to speak at some point about gambling, and I wasn't expecting it to be today. But it, gambling is just becoming out of control. Uh, and with legalizing it and then making it so easy for people, and they are now, like for today, there is going to be billions of dollars gambled today. And uh, a lack of stewardship, it becomes excessive, it gets control of you. And some of it now, Michael Jordan, uh, which is one of my, basically my favorite player, I was a North Carolina fan, and then I followed him throughout his NBA career. He says, it got so bad in my life, that he says we'd be on the golf course and we would bet up to $100,000 on, I think it was, it was a, a staggering number, thousands of dollars. But he says we would bet staggering amounts of money on who would have sweat drop off their nose next. And he said we'd actually stop on the golf course, bend over, and just wait, and whoever had sweat drop off their nose next would win. That's how it can get control of your life. Today, it's not just who wins a game. It's not just a point spread. It's who, who scores the next touchdown is now the new thing. Uh, who gets the next interception? Who gets the next turnover is now the next thing. It's be, be careful because it falls into this category. I wasn't expecting to mention it today. Uh, but this idea of uh, lasciviousness, I think, is a something every one of us could evaluate in our lives. Again, maybe there's not anything that we think of, wow, I have this wantonness, but maybe there is something that is excessive in our lives. How about variance? What does variance mean? Anybody got a, have a good working definition for variance? Okay. Let's, let's double-click on this again. You can do all this through a Strong's Concordance. Uh, you can do this through other books. You don't have to buy a computer in order to do this. Uh, there are other means by which you can do this. I'm just showing you a means that I have found to be very helpful. Uh, you'll notice here again, it, it is used in the authorized version nine times. Uh, actually, only one of them is variance. So maybe that's why we didn't know what it meant. But what does it mean? Just look at the other ways it's used. What does it mean? Strife. 
uh, mean to, to debate. If you debate with someone, you find yourself, ah, I like debating with people. You find yourself frequently getting into arguments over things, kind of debating. Well, then you have some variance in your life. You have to evaluate, is this sinful or not? Uh, it, it talks about tension, strife, or wrangling, this idea, I'm going to wrangle with my words. I'm going to be contentious with my words. Again, what I can do is highlight that. Go up here on this. Uh, it's kind of like a flashlight. You're searching with a flashlight. And I'm going to hit OK. And I'm going to expand that. And here's the nine verses that talk about and give us what variance looks like. There's a couple that caught my attention. One of them actually, I didn't line these messages up, but it, it actually is coming out in my sermon this morning. Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 3, you're yet carnal, and part of the identity of being carnal is you have strife in your life. Or in 1 Timothy 6, I talked about earlier, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to doctrine, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, evil. So notice again, having variance in your life is also going to tempt you to have other sins in your life. So if you are somebody, now, I, I didn't know before go, doing this word study what variance meant. I'm sure at some point in my life I had looked it up, but I didn't have the Bible with me that I wrote the definition in the margin. I have a Bible like that. I know where it is. And I'd have the Bible, I'd have that definition written in the, in the margin, but without that Bible written in the margin, I didn't know what variance was. I know what strife is, though. And so again, as I looked up, and I'm saying, is my flesh producing in my life contention, strife, debating with people? Am I always, do I think I'm always right? Uh, do I always have the better way? Uh, then I could fall under this category of variance. Uh, sometimes you have variance at home, but you don't have it at work. Sometimes you have it at work and you don't have it at home. Sometimes we're tempted depending on the atmosphere, who we're with. Sometimes as a husband, we may be tempted to have more variance in our lives uh, than we do when we're in the workplace. We contend more with our, our spouse or with our family or children than we do in the workplace. Uh, sometimes you're more contentious in the workplace and you're easy to get along with people at home. I think as Christians, we need to continue to evaluate ourselves. So this is where I found it very helpful to do definitions. And I, I honestly, I think I took six months alone, just working through these works of the flesh and finding out what does it look like. And I wrote out notes for all of it and really trying to challenge myself of what I need to put off because of the definitions I found. Do you know what? Alarming to say, but I think I found a little bit of every one of them in my life. And I think probably you will too. Uh, when you think of, you say, murder? Who? <laughs> no, it isn't like that. But the Bible connects it with hatred. And sometimes there's hatred in our lives. 
Sinful relationship? No. But sometimes if you look on a woman to lust at, you've committed all adultery already in your heart. So again, every one of us have to be open and honest and say, is my flesh producing this sin in my life? Dan, do you have your poem? It's, it's time for you to come on up. Uh, I'm putting her on the spot. I forgot to mention something to her. I told her today in Sunday school she could read the poem. She has written a poem recently, and I wanted to give her that opportunity. She ministers that way through writing poems. I'm giving her a second. The next thing that we're going to do then is go to the uh, fruit of the Spirit. You can come on up, Sister Diane. Next thing we're going to work at is then the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, A little bit more of a joyful subject. I did one right after the other. I went into the fruit right after. Love, joy, peace. And again, what you're trying to identify is what is love? Not the emotion, but what is the act of love? And do I have it in my life? Is it a fruit that I see frequently being born in my life? Do I have love, joy? Do I have peace? Do I have long-suffering? Who can I think of in my life that I am suffering long with by the work, the help of the Holy Spirit? And so that's the second one. I'd like to go through some of that. I'm not going to use a computer next week. If you didn't like that I use a computer, I apologize. I'm just trying to show people who might want to use that another way to study. Uh, But we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit next week. I'm going to let Sister Diane come and share a poem that she has written. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) The name of my poem is, There Was Never a Man Like Jesus. There was never a man like Jesus. He is the creator of all things, the moon, the sun, the stars, every mountain, hill, or valley, every flower, every tree, every ocean, river, or sea. Every animal, the teeniest little ant, and the giant, gigantic elephant. Yes, also you and me. Even when it was night, he makes the darkness light. There was never a man like Jesus. He left the glory of heaven to come to sinful earth and came as a baby to a virgin who gave him birth. There was never a man like Jesus. The words of truth he did teach and the sermons he did preach or all the people he did reach. There was never a man like Jesus. He healed the deaf, the lame, the blind, cured the man who wasn't in his right mind, changed the water into wine. Back to life he raised the dead and many multitudes he fed. He taught us to love, forgive, and pray. So much, much more I could say. There was never a man like Jesus. He is God, the Father's only Son. He is the sinless, perfect one, the one and only great I am, the truly sacrificial lamb. There was never a man like Jesus. By his precious blood, we are saved. Died on a cross, laid in a borrowed grave. But on the third day, he rose again. There was never a man like Jesus. If we ask him our heart to enter in, 
he will forgive us of every sin and take us with him to heaven. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. There was never a man like Jesus and will never be again. So what passage is it from when it says that the night shineth like the day? Anybody know? Found in Psalms. Psalm 139. I actually read it yesterday. That's why I knew. <laughs> it's not always that I'm that intelligent. Sometimes I just read. And I just read that yesterday as I was studying for the sermon uh, what a beautiful, beautiful, and amen to that. There is never a man like the Lord Jesus. There's going to be some visitors amongst us. There's going to be some new families that have been coming here the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I hope you're willing to greet somebody this morning. Tell them hello. Uh, reach out and minister.